Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect, just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the second edition of the Sports Forecasters Podcast. This is Nathan, as always, just like last show, and I have my buddy Nick Alvarez with me. How are we doing today, Nick? Doing pretty good. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in for episode two. Have a lot to get into. So, Nathan, what are we looking at today? Yeah, we got a we got a rundown here. Obviously, we got the Super Bowl. I mean, this is the biggest sporting event of the year. So, we got to obviously take our time and talk about that a little bit. And of course, we got to look at our predictions to see how good or how bad we did and forecasting that and then we'll actually jump to some basketball we'll do a little nba preview here and maybe give a little bit of our initial thoughts on the nba and some predictions that we have coming up here so you want to stay tuned for that super bowl let's start there that's what's more important right now and nick i guess you know we both watched it um we both were wrong obviously (laughs) and who we thought was going to win so, to be honest with you, like I thoroughly enjoyed the Super Bowl. I, regardless of the score, because as I said in episode one, like no matter what the result is of the Super Bowl, it was gonna be great. It was gonna be historic, and I still think that that still happened, and that's why I really enjoyed the Super Bowl. Uh, because listen, this was a lot better than that Rams Patriots Super Bowl a couple years ago. That was torturous to watch, but it wasn't quite like the Philly New England Super Bowl that we had, you know, from an excitement standpoint. But you know, if if you're a, just an average fan watching this game, yeah, it's a blow, it's boring. Uh, but for people that appreciate this game, I think it's just like seeing Tom Brady make history is absolutely amazing. That's my takeaway right now is Tom Brady and. This is what's so perplexing to me, and and it wasn't even it had nothing to do with the game. It was before the game, and seeing the Hall of Fame ceremony, seeing Pant Manning in his Hall of Fame jacket, you know, in my whole life, seeing this Manny Brady rivalry, and I'm like, this is awesome. We we have two great quarterbacks in the AFC. We get to see them go at each other for like about I would assume 15 years. And we'd see them kind of retire around the same time. We'd see them go into the Hall of Fame around the same time, you know. But I always been on the Peyton Manning bandwagon. I always thought he was more valuable to his team than Tom Brady was for reasons that I've already explained. Tom Brady, when he tore his ACL, Matt Castle jumped in, won 11 games. It's like they didn't even miss a beat. When Peyton Manning, you know, he wins 12-plus games every year. The Last year with the Colts, they went 14-2. and and after he left, they went two and fourteen, and that's what I always used as my my 
my argument of why Peyton Manning was better than Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady's got the rings because he was benefiting from a very good organization. And maybe he was, you know, and I can't, but I can't take away from Tom Brady because of that. But back to the Super Bowl here, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, is that this my whole life I'm thinking, you know, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning are going to play till their late 30s. They're going to both be first ball Hall of Famers, and we may even see them be inducted into the same Hall of Fame class. So if someone told me 10 years ago um, to say, hey, Super Bowl 55, Peyton Manning will be inducted to the Hall of Fame, first ballot, first time he can get in, he's going to get in. And Tom Brady's going to be playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers about to win his seventh Super Bowl. I would have believed nothing of that besides the Peyton Manning portion. I'd be like, you're crazy. Tom Brady won't even be playing 10 years from now. Like, let alone, he won't even be playing for a seventh Super Bowl. And so I think it's just crazy to think that me being on the Peyton Manning bandwagon, he's getting inducted to the Hall of Fame. And Tom Brady still has a helmet and pads on winning his seventh Super Bowl ring. That that to me was my biggest take from that Super Bowl, regardless of like the Chiefs and the game itself. Just seeing that is is just greatness. And and my my final hot take here on Tom Brady before we move on is is that when Peyton Manning left the Colts, they went to the Broncos. The Broncos were not a winning organization. Um, historically, they're a winning organization, but not a, as of recent when he went there. And it took him four years to win a Super Bowl. Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay. Not only is Tampa Bay a losing organization as of recent, they're the most historical losing franchise in all four major sports. And Tom Brady goes there, and not even a full season, he wins a Super Bowl. It's unprecedented it's unbelievable it's i've never seen anything like this and and just seeing that and seeing peyton manny being on the the hall of fame and tom brady still won a championships it's, it's just it just blew my mind and tom brady has more super bowl rings than any nfl franchise has in the history of the nfl that's absolutely unbelievable so and he has all six for new new england who's tied for first with pittsburgh that's my hot take from this has nothing to do with the game i mean obviously we're all surprised of how much of a blowout it was but kudos to brady i i want to see him win 10 rings to be honest with you i really do what tom brady did was very majestic especially for us who have been basically fans as long as tom brady's been in the league though because of our ages so it's definitely a special thing to see it doesn't look like he's slowing down it looks like he has a lot left in the tank you can definitely appreciate what he was able to do i always hope for a very competitive super bowl score isn't really the issue in terms of like how many points are scored it's that how contentious can the game be yep exactly so but you know what let's let's review our predictions right we you had laid out a bunch of predictions for us last episode so let's kind of Look back and see how we did. So let's first start with the most quarterback passing yards. We both said Mahomes, and we both happened to be correct. Uh, I guess not too much of a surprise, Nick, but do you have anything to say about that? Like you alluded to, not too much of a surprise. Mahomes ended up with the most passing yards. Your team's down. What do you have to do? You got to throw the ball. For a long time during that game, I didn't think he was going to get to that point. I had to look at the stat line to make sure he had more than Brady. Because most of the game, he was running for his life, trying to lob it to his guys. And a 
there was quite a few of them that went, hit him in the helmet. So um, I was surprised to see how long it took for that to happen. Um, when the game was getting out of hand, I kind of thought it would be a foregone conclusion, but it wasn't as foregone as I thought once I went back and looked at the numbers. What did mm. you see from it, Nathan? Uh, I, I mean, I just saw a, a Mahomes <laughs> a quarterback here that would just scramble for his life. He got the right when the ball snapped. It's like there were five defensive players in the backfield. Like the fact that he even had like I don't he never hit a hundred yards till the end of the third quarter. Uh, and which is, I mean, he had a hundred passing yards in the first four minutes against the Buccaneers in Week Twelve. <laughs> And then he didn't have it till the end of the third quarter in the Super Bowl. So uh, the fact that he ended up with 270 is unbelievable. But a lot of that was obviously garbage time. Yeah, it was just them trying to fling it, make the best of the situations. And I mean, the the big receiver for that game for the Kansas City side was Travis Kelsey. I mean, that guy just tried to do everything he could because they were not going to let Tyreek be the guy to beat him. So let's move on to our next prediction. Um, This one was close, actually. Um, Nathan and I were talking back and forth when we were seeing the game go on. Who was going to give up the first sack? I thought I had Mahomes, right? Uh, It's like he was going down second or third play in their first possession. It looked like he was going to go down, but it didn't happen. Nathan ended up getting it right. He had Brady, who in their second possession ended up giving the sack. Uh, It was kind of the when Brady gives up a sack, it's the one where he kind of just goes down. He pretty much gives himself up because he knows the play is dead. What do you think about that, Nathan, where it turned out Brady gave it up? Yeah, and first off, it was not just who's going to get sacked first. We had to decide whether it's a sack or turnover and whatever one it is, who commits it. So um, it's kind of a – you had four choices here. Um, Just to remind our audience, it wasn't that easy. But, yeah, I remember when uh, Mahomes, he almost got sacked and he scrambled to the outside and, like, barely got a yard or two. I got real nervous there. I was like, no. Uh, But then Brady got – ended up getting his sack. But, I mean, this is exactly, you know, as I – you know, Brady's not going to – he's not going to scramble like Mahomes. And when there's any sort of pressure, he's just going to take the sack instead of force something or or be silly. Because Tom Brady's a very smart football player and he's going to sacrifice a couple yards and sacrifice the possession of the ball. So – um, that's why I ended up picking Brady, and that's I think that's exactly what happened. I mean, to be honest with you, Mahomes was just he was like you, you look at the film and you're just like you see how under pressure Mahomes was, you'd be like shocked to hear that he wasn't sacked first because it just seemed like every time he got the ball right away off the snap, five minute in the backfield. Uh, but yeah, it just played out exactly how I did. It's just that one time he got a lot of pressure put on him, he just he just folded and went down. Uh, so let's jump to the next one here. What were the first points scored in the game? Um, whether it was a Bucks field goal, I had Bucks field goal, you had Chiefs touchdown. Remind me, I believe it was a Chiefs field goal was the first points in the game. So we were both wrong here. So even though the Bucks got the coin toss, I was, got, I was getting real excited there that we might get that field goal. But uh, tell us a little about that. Were you surprised there, Nick, that it was just a, a field goal by the Chiefs? No. Uh, based on how they moved the ball down the field, I wasn't surprised they went for the field goal. They were just getting whatever they could, moving down the field, very methodic-like, which for the Chiefs, you're used to them being having those splash plays or explosive plays. Not every drive, but them kicking the field goal wasn't too surprising where they were on the field. I believe they were somewhere between the 20 and the 30. So uh, early on the game, you just kind of take what you can get. And then, I mean, honestly, we kind of had it flipped around by how I wrote this down. The Chiefs got the field goal, and then the Bucks end up with a touchdown, which obviously a Chiefs touchdown now in retrospect kind of looked uh, 
I, like I said before, I, I wouldn't have expected the Chiefs not to come away with any touchdowns. I mean, neither team scored on their first possession. And so when the Chiefs scored on their second possession, it was just field goal. And I, at that point, you just knew they were going to strap up and just try to get what they could, keep it themselves in the game. And then the Bucks drove down, and I believe, that next series and ended up with that touchdown. It just one of those things that you never know how it's going to break. Sometimes offenses come out clicking right away. They move that ball really well, and then defenses settle in. Well, it seemed to be the opposite. This one, the defenses were settled in, ready for them, and then the offenses had to get, I guess, their swing going correctly would be the best word I can think of it. Just kind of get into their rhythm and figure out what they want and set up their punches and counter punches. What did you see from it, Nathan? Yeah, and that's. I mean, that's that's why I had predicted a lower scoring game. Um, I thought this game was going to be a combined score in the in the mid 40s it ended up being right at 40 with 31 9 i didn't think it was going to be that big of a blowout i didn't think it was going to be a 22 point win but um, i did expect it to be low scoring because that's exactly what i thought was going to happen they're going to be a little bit more field goals and touchdowns i think the defenses are going to be ready they've played before they know you know that since they've played before they know what to expect especially tampa bay who let kansas city go off on them in the first quarter in week 12 like obviously they're going to make adjustments to that and 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 so it's just easier for the defense to adjust to the offense in my opinion i'm no football coach or guru here but i just would imagine it's like you look at film you see their uh you see their schemes you see their game playing you see how they're lined up you can kind of predict like okay they're lined up this way i remember film session that's what they did um you know defensively i feel like you got you you can fool the offense a little bit you know if you line up a certain way um you can fool them with man or zone and, and, and it just gets them off their step a little bit. And so, yeah, this is exactly why I thought this is going to be a little bit lower scoring. But like you said, when I predicted that Chiefs want to score a touchdown, absolutely not. Like three field goals is crazy to think. Anyways, let's go to the next one here. The next one here we have is who was going to score that first touchdown or how was the first touchdown going to be scored? And we both said Mahomes was going to throw it. You said to Tyreek Hill. I said to Travis Kelsey. Obviously, we whiffed on this one, Nathan. What are your what's your takeaway from that? Yeah, so obviously, Kingston didn't score touchdown as we already said. Uh, but what I thought was really kind of neat was Tom Brady's first three touchdowns were to former teammates in New England. The first two were to Gronk, and the next one was to Antonio Brown. Yeah, granted, Antonio Brown played one game with Tom Brady, but still former teammate. So it's just like. I was texting a, a friend of mine who's a Patriots fan. I'm like, man, is it the Bucks or the Patriots in the Super Bowl right now? Because it just seems like it's all the Patriot players making a big place here and scoring the points. The easy pick was Kansas City touchdown. It's Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I mean, Tom Brady, Tom Brady to Gronk. I kind of look back and be like, ah, you know, should have picked that. But you know what? It is what it is. Anyways, let's jump to the, the last prediction here, the winner. We both picked Chiefs in a close one. I had a little bit of lower scoring game. You in the forties, you had a little bit of higher scoring game in the sixties. But uh, regardless, we both picked the Chiefs to win by a possession, and obviously that did not turn out. Any last words on the your Super Bowl pick there? You always hope it's more of a fifty-fifty proposition to where, yeah, you may pick the wrong individual, but you hope it's like I said before, a competitive matchup, a close matchup, and this one just didn't end up being that. Both of us had scores where the team. That was losing. In this case, we both picked the Buccaneers to lose. We were both hoping it'd be like within a touchdown or a touchdown away from happening. And that just wasn't the case here. Buccaneers 
hats off to them. They came out of the gates and they didn't look back. They were not going to give the Chiefs any kind of opening to get back into that game. Not as close as the game we were hoping. Obviously, you going with a lower score ended up looking like the better bet. It, that's unfortunately how we ended our NFL season this year with that Super Bowl, which, I mean, it's not unfortunate in terms of for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Congratulations to them for earning that championship and getting number seven on his list. Kansas City did a really good job of just being a very good team throughout. And on this day, on this Super Bowl Sunday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers came out, put the Chiefs to bed very early. What we're going to look at next, folks, is we're going to change gears from football. We want to come back to it in a bit. We're going to go into an NBA preview because we do want to look at more than just football. We love football, but unfortunately, with the season being over, we really want to dive into other sports. And the sport we feel is more of a natural fit that's finally getting into the swing of it, getting their feet underneath them is the NBA. So we're going to do an NBA preview here. And so we wanted to look at how everything looks in the NBA right now. And we want to do a little bit of our forecasting. So what we're looking at right now is the NBA, how it currently looks with the top four at this day. Obviously, they're playing games every night with us doing a podcast. Our standings may not be quite up to date. For the most part, it's pretty close, especially in the Western Conference. So let's look at the West Conference. West Conference right now, Nathan, we have Utah at the top just by number of games technicality. Then the Lakers, the Clippers. And then after that, we have a drop-off right now where we have the Suns and the Spurs kind of jockeying for that fourth spot. Then we have the 76ers right on top by a game. Then we have the Bucks and the Nets, then the Celtics. So based on those nine teams, Nathan, who would be your top four come the All-Star game? How would mm-hmm. you? Yeah, so when I when I do my power games, I, you know, I, I put the records aside. Uh, I, I look at, okay, if these two teams went head-to-head, who am I going to put my money on? Number one, I've got the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm never going to bet against LeBron. They're the defending champs. They have, I mean, record-wise, they are near the top. And if the Utah Jazz have them by half a game, if Lakers and Jazz were going to play a seven-game series, who are you going to put your money on? I'm going to put my money on the Lakers. So they're going to be my number one. And number two, I'm not even going to say Utah. I don't trust Utah at all. I think uh, Utah is a very good regular season team. Um, They don't have the leadership and the superstars needed to be the first or second best team in the NBA. Uh, So my number two is going to be the Nets. I know know the record doesn't support that. They're 14 to 12. But they just acquired James Harden. I know they're still trying to get the chemistry going with their their big three. But they have Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant on the same team. I don't need to say anything else. Like that is full of talent. That is full of scoring. My for my power five by also break right now and by also break is gonna be they're gonna be number two. R- really, unless some major injury happens regardless of what the record is. I feel like they're the second-best team in the league. And number three, I I think the 76ers are looking very good. And I'm actually going to put them at number three, despite the record um, compared to everybody else. Doc Rivers has utilized the talent on that team that it's always had and is getting the most out of it. And um, we always thought that the 76ers had the potential to be a top team in their conference it just never were there uh but doc rivers has 
definitely got them there. Um, so I, I got them at number three. Number four, I'm going to say the Clippers, um, the the other LA team, obviously full of talent as well, but just not quite where the Lakers are, not quite where the other top teams are at right now. And um, I just would have my money on the other three teams to beat uh, the Clippers in a seven-game series if they face off in the playoff. And my fifth team, I'm going to actually say the Jazz, who are the top of the Western Conference. I think they're a good team, but I think ultimately they're not going to be a top-two team in the West by what, when it's all said and done. And um, they're going to be a three-seed at best. I could even see, I can even see the Suns taking over that three-spot and Utah drop into four. So the season's still young. Those are my power rankings, though. Probably won't change uh, much. Um, I think the surprise here is I don't have the Bucks in my top five. I don't see the Bucks as a contender. I think Giannis is a very good number two player, but you can't have your best player, your leader, airballing free throws and airballing shots, and he can't make a bucket to save his life. You just you can't have that. He's like a Shaquille O'Neal, dominant, very athletic but could never lead a team to a championship. He had to be the second guy, and Giannis has to be the second guy, and he's not. So he's the number one guy. So I just that's why I don't have the Bucks up there because they, they flop when it counts because you need to score, and I think the other five teams would beat them in a seven-game series. What do you think, Nick? What are your top five? Just like Nathan said, for my power five, I don't really take a whole lot into the record or I look at the record somewhat, obviously you're not going to pick the bottom of the conference, but the record itself, it's hard to gauge just because nowadays NBA players, they take games off here and there. And especially with the year we have with COVID going on, there's some players that have to sit out. Um, Kevin Durant right now has to sit out a few games. So looking at the records isn't a true evaluation where we think these teams could be in about a month. So for me, I have to put the Lakers at number one as well. They're the champs. They really haven't lost a step from last year. I feel like they're doing better than what they were last year at this point. And they had a whole nother month last season. So Lakers are one. They're just, they're just clicking. They're just, they have it together. They know what LeBron has a good command of the team and everyone has their role settled and understood. And then for me, number two, this is where it starts to get dicey two on down is where we start getting, we're going into semantics. And based on how last year went, I'm going to give them a pass. And I think they've worked through these issues. And I'm going to go with the second Los Angeles team, the Clippers. Paul George is being consistent. He's being a very great contributor to the team. Why seems to be on par right now. And they just seem to be doing a very good job of clicking right now. Hopefully that can continue in the playoffs, but we're really looking at regular season right now. So I'm going to give the Clippers a slight edge for number two. And that team that's third right now would be the Nets. The Nets, like Nathan said, you have Harden, Irving, and Durant. They're going to be a very tough team to beat. Right now, their record doesn't really show it because they've had a few nights where they've rested. Um, Durant quarantined the Nets. The record may not show it in the end. They may who knows what seed they'll end up with when the season actually ends, but I don't, I can't see that being an issue and I'm not going to put them any further down than three. So three, but it's like really for me, it's like a two a and a two B like Clippers and Nets are really that close right now. And then the 76ers are not that far off. They are the fourth team for me as well. Uh, 76ers with doc rivers. I, he just has Embiid 
he's really clicking and the rest of the team, they're just molding around each other finally instead of team that's just free balling it and we're going to make it work and then they get to the playoffs and they have these breakdowns. uh, They just seem to be a group now, a core. And then the fifth spot, it, it really gets dicey. Like Nathan said, you have Utah, you have the Suns, the Spurs, and the Celtics in terms of teams that we would consider at this point by the all-star break. And you have the Warriors who seem to be trending up and a whole bunch of other teams. Ultimately, I have to go with what I'm seeing right now. And it's just Utah. Their, their core is really doing well right now based on the standings. Currently, they're the top. But I mean, when it came when it comes to a matchup scenario, like Nathan said, they would have to be the fifth best team based on the teams that we have available at this time. So those are my power five early in the season. A lot of things can happen. That's what makes the NBA exciting. So with our power fives, we're going to go from another that projection to a different kind of projection. We're going to try to project who is going to be the top scorer of the NBA by the time the all-star break happens. And what we're doing this year, I know by the end of the NBA season, they usually go by total points. Nathan and I were talking back and forth, and we thought since COVID's going on right now, we're going to just go by the average points since everyone will not end up playing the same amount of games. They're making up a few, but most of them are being made up in the second half. So we're just going to try to project who's the best or who's the top NBA score points averaged by the All-Star break. Nathan, do you want to give your guess on who it is? Sure. So you've uh, very graciously gave me a nice list of the top scores here with their averages. And what's what's interesting is that number one is Bradley Beal, and he's up by nearly four points. So you look at averages, that's a lot of points. And we have, what, less than a month here, about four weeks until the All-Star break? No one's going to be passive Beal. No one's going to make that up. I don't see Beal falling off that much to lose four average points per game over the shorter period of time. So I think he's a clear cut in that top three before the All-Star break. Now, well, the next four are are super close. Um, They're all within 0.4 points of each other, Uh, starting with Steph at 29.5 and and number two and number five is Damian Lillard, 29.1 points per game. So this is really a toss-up. So so you, you take Beal, and then who's the next two out of these four? And so we got Curry, we got Durant, we got Embiid, and we got Lillard. Personally, I'm, I'm just going to kind of do a process of elimination here. I'm going to first take out Embiid. I think a center being a top three scorer in this league is a thing of the past. Um, the last time a center even won the scoring title was uh, Shaquille O'Neal in the 1999-2000 season, very long time ago. So I'm going to remove him. Um, I don't think he's going to break the top three. Um, He would have to pass Durant and or Curry to do that, and I just don't see that happening. Um, So it's between Curry, Durant, and Lillard. Um, Who am I going to eliminate here? Curry and Durant both at 29.5. Lillard's at 29.1. I'm actually going to eliminate Durant because of the fact, one, he sounds like he is he's going through a lot right now with the safety protocols and getting pulled out of games in the middle of the half and all this crazy stuff. And I don't, I'm not really sure what's going on, but I think that does mess with you in a way because you lose your chemistry and all this, and they're still trying to build chemistry on that team. 
bringing in James Harden. So they're trying to build that chemistry, and he's losing some of that chemistry because of the safety protocols that he has the next couple of weeks. And they're bringing on the guy that has been the scoring leader in the NBA the last three seasons. So do you not think that Durant's going to kind of get pulled away from his scoring a little bit? Probably so. So I'm actually going to take Durant out, and I think the top three are going to be Beal at one, Curry at two, Lillard at three when we come to the all-star break here in uh, beginning of March. What do you got? Who do you think it's going to be? Do you agree with that? You got got a different take on that. Actually, that really good breakdown of the points. Beal, I, by the all-star break, I don't see him losing that lead, but I do see it being slimmed here. I think Steph Curry is going to really make a run for it, and he's going to make it a bit closer. I think he's going to be, like right now, Beal's at 33.3, Curry's at 29.5. I can see it being... 33.1, 33-oh, maybe a 32.9, and then Curry just getting up into that lower 30s. I I see that getting a little closer. Durant with the time off, like you said, I it's hard for me to move him up really just because of just having that time off. Scoring will be off a little bit and just getting back in the rhythm. And I mean, with all that going on, I don't know how much he's going to be able to work out. I'm sure he has his own personal gym and everything like that, but you can't replicate in-game action. So I think Beal will be one still by the all-star break. Curry's going to close that gap, though, by the time that comes because Beal will start having more games. Curry is just really coming back strong from his injuries. And then I think Lillard will end up taking the third spot just because that time off for Durant and Lillard is just always going and making it happen for his team the best that he can. And by the all-star break, I don't think Embiid will fall off the top five quite yet just because of the gap he has with Luka. But I think Luka and him are going to be really close in that fifth spot. So in conclusion, I think it'll still be Beal 1, but I think that 33.3 will go down. Uh, Curry will close it and be slightly above 30 game, points per game. Then we'll have Lillard and then Durant will probably be four with Embiid fifth and Luca closing in on Embiid. Embiid will hold that for the All-Star break because with it only being a month right now, I think that's not enough time for Luca to take over points averaged. Real quick, I have one more take here on the Super Bowl and then we can wrap this up. I saw this tweet from a former uh, NFL player. <laughs> he said... Winning seven Super Bowl rings is so unbelievable. He's, he's like, I can't even win seven pickup games at an LA fitness, let alone winning seven Super Bowls. And like I said earlier, it's there's no franchise in the NFL that's won more than six. Franchise who's had generations of players, who's had 55 chances to win seven. And yet Tom Brady had done it by himself. In his 20-year-ish career, he's done it alone. And it's it's unbelievable. It's unprecedented. I, it's just something that we're never – we're truly never going to see something like this again because there's so many players in the NFL. I feel like it spreads out the talent much better, unlike the NBA, where there's a lot less players. So one or two specific players on a team can really build a dynasty real quick and really rack up championships left and right and it's not like baseball where there's no salary cap and you can just buy all the great players and win a bunch of world series like this is this is unprecedented for an nfl team that for an nfl team that has uh so many players that have a salary cap to do this is i i just can't get over the fact that 
how accomplished Tom Brady is. He's right. He's he looks like he has plenty left in the tank. So we'll see what happens. We'll be getting to that soon, looking at where we think these teams will be next year around this time. Will we forecasting Tom Brady holding the Lombardi again? Or will we have another team? Here in a few weeks we'll start looking into the way too early predictions. But for now, it's been a great time with you again, Nathan, talking some sports, getting our feet wet with the NBA, putting on a nice little bow for the NFL for now, and just kind of looking on to what we can get into and see what other things we can try to forecast. This has been Nathan Singer, Nick Alvarez, and we are the Sports Forecasters.